0: It's a great video, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, good afternoon. My name is Galen Washington. I'm one of the elders here at the church. I have the privilege of serving alongside John and Morgan, um, and it really has been a great year, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in 2017. Uh, Morgan and Carrie and their amazing family are on vacation, and it's, it's great to, to let them take that time, and it's, it's well-deserved and well-earned, and so we're praying that they're getting refreshed and renewed. Uh, But today, we have a special treat for you. You're going to hear from one of our very own deacons. Tina Miranda is going to bless us with the word. She's going to preach on faith today. Um, Tina, uh, she's been an attorney for 16 years. She currently works for the Attorney General's Office of Texas. Uh, She's got an amazing husband, Emmanuel, a daughter, Emmy, and uh, uh, Ethan is her son. And uh, look, I could go on and on and on. Um, about her pedigree. But what I'll tell you, what I love most about Tina is her fearless pursuit and, and really her love for God. She loves God. She loves the Word of God. She knows the Word of God. And she has earned uh, an opportunity and probably continual opportunities to bless us in this pulpit. And so if you wouldn't mind welp- welcoming Tina to the stage as she comes.
1: Good morning. Happy new year. Happy new year. Year. Yeah. I'm going to echo whoever it was that said that y'all got more sleep. So you need to need to be awake a little bit. Um, it is, it is the new year. I actually have my good morning, happy new year introduction written in here in case I got up and accidentally said, may it please the court, (laughs) (sighs) which you are not. Thank goodness. Uh, so it is, it is a new year. It's January 1st and this holiday, it would be hard to get up and preach today, of all day on New Year's, without really talking about the significance of New Year. And, and we've done a little bit of that today. We've actually, we look back. It's a time when we pause our very busy schedules, and we look back, and we reflect, and we assess. And that was a fantastic video. Now, you may not have the fantastic and fabulous Taz Kelly to make you a video, but that's okay, because Facebook will make one for you. So, if, if you don't have that, you can, you know, I think it does it all. You just have to click and share. But we don't just look back we actually look forward. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about looking forward and think about for a second how much time that we spend and how driven we are as people to pursue progress. Now, I want to leave aside, I don't really want to talk about this sort of grasping advancement that's born of breed and discontentment, but I want to talk about that natural desire that we have in us to grow and mature. And that's what we spend a lot of our time, not just on New Year's, but on all of the days, thinking about how do we we get better? How do we improve our health physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? How do we improve our relationships, our finances? And that's what we do on New Year's. Not only do we think about it, but sometimes we actually make resolutions. Anyone in here this morning, show of hands, make a resolution. Anyone? Okay. Statistically, about half of us do. If you came in this morning and you don't have one, that's okay because I've got one for you. So you can leave with one. We're going to talk about a different kind of resolution this morning. We're going to talk about something that is found in a very obscure passage. You've probably never read it before. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. All right. Are you ready? Okay, good. Some of you obviously... I've heard this before. Let's read it. Now, faith is being confident or faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So there it is. There's your resolution. Right about now, you're probably thinking, really, that's it, faith? Could you pick a more pedestrian topic to preach on? Well, actually, I could, uh, but I didn't. But what I'm going to suggest to you is that there's absolutely nothing pedestrian or ho-hum about faith. And if you think it is, then you're not doing it right. And if you are doing it right, then what you know is that faith is one of those things, and it's one of the few things, that you can never have enough of. You can always have more of. So I hope you'll stick with me and go with me this morning as we look at three things about faith that we're going to look at. We're going to look how faith pushes us forward, faith puts things in perspective, and pulls us toward the impossible. Now, before we start, I want to pause for a second and pray. Father, I just thank you so much. God, I thank you for New Year's. I thank you for what it symbolizes. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to stop and reflect and not just think about where we want to go, but where you want us to go. And I pray that you would go with us in this message. In Jesus' name. Faith pushes us forward. So I think we can all agree that for the most part, at least part of the time, you're thinking about how can we get ahead. And again, not in the bad way, but in the good mature way, how do we go forward? And while we agree that we all want to go forward, we don't always necessarily see that the same way about how we get there. We have different perspectives. So I will share mine. If I want to go forward, if I'm about to embark on some self-improvement project, there's a process. You can't just jump into these things. First, I have to introduce the concept to myself, get my brain matter to just kind of wrap itself around it. And then I got to start researching and then I got to start planning and how am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? Why am I going to do it? And then I might actually make some visual aids to chart my progress. Then i got to pick a start date because you can't just change your life in the middle of the week, right? You got to start Mondays and Sundays. Those are the best days. I'm just letting you know. All right. If you want to change depending on what it is and then six months later or maybe never, I start. All right. (laughs) That's one way. The other way is my husband's way. He's not here in this service. He was here with our children in the first service. Uh, But my husband is the living, breathing embodiment of the Nike slogan. Just do it. You want to fix something? Fix it. You want to change it? Change it. You want to start something? Start it. You want to stop it? Stop it. Don't talk about it. Just be about it. All right? He actually lives that. It's really kind of scary. So there's two different ways. But my point is, all right. And the reality is that some things come easier to some of us than others, but we don't make resolutions about the things that come easy because they come easy. We just do them. We almost don't even notice that kind of growth, that kind of going forward. What I want to talk about today and focus on a little bit is the kind of growth that gives us pause, the kind of growth that makes us stop and make a resolution because for some reason we just can't get past this one thing. And we get stuck or we struggle. And what do we do when we get stuck or we struggle? Well... This is the age of information, so we start looking to other people. Who else has had this problem, and what have they done, and what formula? We get obsessed with these recipes for success, and there's no end to books and blogs and posts and whatever you want to find out there about the latest, greatest way to improve yourself in spirit, soul, mind, and body. If you want to find it, it's out there, and some of it is actually really good stuff. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of it, but I think what we eventually come to realize is that there's no one-size-fits-all Formula. And while this latest, greatest recipe for success may work for you and 22.3 million other people who bought the book and done this, it's not working for me. And so, where do I go and what do I do? And that's why this morning I'm proposing a different kind of resolution. I'm proposing faith. Because faith works for everyone and it doesn't have any limit. So, because we live in a culture, in a society that is plagued in my work and my perspective by naturalism, which is this concept that everything has natural causes and natural solutions and natural fixes. And it sort of discounts the spiritual. And even though we as Christians acknowledge the spiritual, we live by the spiritual. We have a tendency to sort of adopt some of this into our life. And so when we're facing struggles and we're facing problems, we tend to categorize them. We have spiritual problems over here and natural problems over here. Right. And never the two shall meet. The danger of doing this, all right, is that some very seemingly natural problems have really deep spiritual roots. I have a friend who lives in Kentucky who several years ago was suffering from hives. And she went to the doctor. It's hives. They're allergic to something or whatnot. And she went. And they tried treatment after treatment. She went doctor after doctor. A year and a half goes by. And the hives have not gotten better. They've gotten worse. Until finally what they discover is that she has cancer, and it's cancer that's causing the hives, and she had a lump the size of an orange in her chest. Now, treatment works. She's doing great. (laughs) Amen. All right, but my point is that something that was very visible had a very invisible root, an invisible cause, and you can treat the symptoms all day long, but until you get to the cause, you're not going to fix anything. Paul actually describes the struggle that we sometimes face in Romans 7. I'm going to read it. You're going to nod your head or just it inside if you don't want to nod out loud. <laughs> if, you, if you relate, I do not understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from the body of death. What's he describing? He's describing a problem with a very spiritual root. And that is how we get back to faith. Because what happens when our own efforts fail, when we find ourselves marking the same territory over and over and over and over, and we've got a problem that we just can't get past. We need a push. We need someone to help us out. So how does faith do that? Well, let's look at what faith is. I'm going to go back to the, we're going to dust off the King James. James. Because I love the King James and what it says and how it defines faith in Hebrews 11. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is my language, y'all. 16 years and as an attorney and you need substance and you need evidence. You just can't come to me any old way, right? Just saying stuff, right? You got to have evidence. You got to have support to back it up. Substance, in case you're curious, is the real physical matter of which a person or thing consists and which has tangible, solid presence. A lot of times when we think about faith, we don't always think about it as a solution because we're thinking it's intangible, it's far off, it's remote. No, it's substance. It's tangible, solid presence. Not only that, and this is the part that gets me super giddy, is that it's evidence. Faith is exhibiting. Love it, right? I'd like to introduce what has been marked as States Exhibit A, all right? <laughs> Sorry, flashback. <laughs> all right, what does that mean, right? Evidence, it proves something. What does faith prove? What does it prove? Well, what is it that we hope for, all right? It's so the substance of things hope for, the evidence of What's not seen? What don't we see? What do we hope for? Think about what Paul was talking about. Go back to what he said in Romans 7 about the thing I want to do that I can't do. What I don't want to do, I do. It sounds kind of like a Dr. Seuss thing. All right? But think about it. Seriously, For imagine with me. And I'm up here. I've got several. I could give you a list. I'm not going to. Of the things that I seem to keep going over and over and over again and over and the frustration that we feel and the frustration that I have and I've tried everything and I've tried this and I've tried that. What do I want? What am I begging God for? What am I desperate for? Grace. I want grace. We want unmerited favor. We want something outside of us to come into us and act on us and push us forward to places that we don't deserve to be in positions that we didn't earn. That's what I want when I'm stuck. And that's what faith gives us. If you read in Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that by grace, we are saved through what? What? faith. By grace, we are saved through faith. So when it comes to our salvation as Christians, we don't doubt that. We don't doubt that there's nothing that we can do. There's no effort. Our works, it's all filthy rags. There's nothing that we can do, right, to make it save us. And we have to have faith in God's grace. And yet somehow, when we get saved... And we go forward, and we're trying to work this thing out, and we're trying to get improved. We forget about that. We forget about how God's grace can act in and through us and on us to advance us. Now, salvation wasn't the end of what Christ came to do. It isn't, all right? He came not just to save us, but we've got holiness to pursue. We've got healing to be had. We've got a kingdom to advance. We've got disciples to make. I found a quote from Charles Spurgeon that I love that when I was doing the sermon and it just sums this up and it says, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. What is that saying? It's saying the grace that will save my soul. And we all believe in that grace. All right. The grace that will save my soul. It will also change my life. And it will push me forward. And we're going to need that grace to go forward. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know what? I don't know about this whole grace thing. Not sure about Jesus. All I know is that I'm doing okay. My effort, you say it doesn't work. Well, it's working for me. So why, why, should, I, why should I care? Why, why should I be concerned about this grace? Well, I'm just going to suggest a couple of things. The first is that you have already received grace and you may not even realize it. How do I know? Because you're here this morning and you're listening to a sermon about faith. That's grace. Second, all right, I just cannot believe, you could try to convince me otherwise, lots of people do. You could try to convince me, but I don't believe that you're going to go your whole entire life and never encounter a problem that is not beyond you. I just don't, okay? We have limits, all right? And more importantly, I've got a couple of reasons why I think that this grace is awesome. Because grace doesn't just change our behavior. It changes our being. So you can take your effort and you can try to change your behavior all day. And if you're like my husband, you're going to be more successful at it than me. Maybe the reason that I'm up here and maybe the reason that I'm so passionate about this is because I am one big giant mess. And grace is what I live off of right? And so grace doesn't just change your behavior, it changes your being. But the other thing about grace, and the other thing about going forward on your own effort, is that you can go forward on your own effort, and you're going to get exactly as far as you can take yourself, okay? But I'm going to go forward on God's grace, and I'm going to go exactly as far as God's grace can take me. And there's no limit to that. And I will tell you right now, standing up here, I'm already living way, way, way beyond my means when it comes to grace. So am I telling you this morning that if you accept this grace and you go forward in grace, believing in faith, that it's going to change everything. It's just all that stuff is just going to make it all better. I can't tell you that, right? Look at Paul when he was talking about his thorn in the flesh. He had that thing that he prayed for over and over and over and it never went away. But what did God tell him about that thing that never went away? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power made perfect in weakness. What's happening there? God isn't changing Paul's circumstances, but he is changing Paul's perspective. And that leads us to our second point. And the way that grace pushes us forward more than any other way, more than changing our circumstances. He may not change our circumstances. He may, and we shouldn't stop asking him to. He may do that, but he will also get us past those so that he doesn't have to, in every situation, change our circumstances. He puts things into perspective. What does it mean to put things into perspective? According to Urban Dictionary, it means... I know, that's fantastic, right? It means putting things in the correct place to make it clear for you and others. Now, I know we've all got practice because there are people just walking around in this world all out of perspective. And we need to put things in their correct place for them, y'all. Those people for me are my children. This takes up so much of my time. It's putting things in their correct place so that I can share with you, according to my kids, all of the ways that life as a child in the Miranda house is it's awful. It's terrible. It's so hard. And I I don't have time to share with you all the ways, but I'll share with you my favorite way that life gets tough. And that is, do not call CPS on me. Some days, some days my kids get up and they have to eat the breakfast I make them. (laughs) They do. All right. So that sausage taco they wanted, they're getting sausages and waffles. And this is a true story. So one day this is happening And all my best efforts to put this in perspective. I know it's not the food you want, but you got food, food on the table. There's kids who don't have food. You have a mom who loves you, who makes this food. I'm going through all of this. It's not working. It's going downhill from there. And I may or may not, I can neither confirm nor deny, have thrown my children's food in the trash. (laughs) I'm just saying. I might have lost my temper, thrown my, and that did not help. So we're all, it's all, I can't even describe for you the people that it was. Well, my daughter starts wailing. Ethan needs to eat. She's freaking out. Ethan starts crying. I realize I'm the adult in this situation. <laughs> I need to bring it back down, and so I'm okay. All right, let's hit the restart button. So I go to my son who's sitting there crying, and I say, "Listen, I've been trying to get his socks and shoes on. Get him ready. Get him out of the house." And I'm like, "Listen, buddy, I'm sorry. Mommy lost her temper." <sighs> if you will just go upstairs and get your socks and shoes on, I'll make you some more sausages and waffles. Now, from my perspective, the way that I see things, I'm doing all of us a favor, right? Showing grace and mercy and all that stuff. From my son's perspective, he starts wailing. Why do I have to work for my food? Unfortunately, I think that this is the way that some of us see our circumstances that God has presented. He's coming, he's grace and mercy. And we're like, why are you making me work for my food, right? There's two different ways of looking at this. There's multiple ways, but let's look really quickly at the biblical perspective. How should we see our lives and what's going on around us? So to do that, we're going to look at three verses. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it tells us the way that we live or walk. I like both words. That's why I put it in there. The way that we live or walk is by faith, not by sight. And faith, we know from Hebrews 1, is the essence or the substance of things not seen. We walk according to faith, being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And to add a last verse in there, we'll go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll see that the unseen is described as what is eternal. What we see, our circumstances, temporary. What we can't see is eternal. And we fix our eyes on the eternal, what we cannot see, instead of looking at what we can see with our earthly eyes. And if you put all this together, what that means is that walking by faith is like having a staring contest with the eternal God. That's how we walk. We walk with our eyes totally focused on him. And we know this and we've heard these verses and we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I believe in God. Or that's sort of an overgeneral view. Or you know what? I believe God can do impossible things. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. I can't see this thing, but I'm believing for it. And it means both of those things and they're both fantastic, but it means something even better and something even more. And that is, it's the way we live our life right? It's not just believing on God. It's seeing things from an eternal perspective and realizing that everything we see here, this stage that I'm standing on underneath my feet is temporary and nowhere near as solid as my foundation in Jesus Christ. That's hard to do, all right? And it takes practice. But let me give you a very real example from our own lives. We recently found out that my husband at the end of this year was no longer gonna have a job. And that with the new DA coming in, we worked for public officials our whole lives, that sometimes happens. We found out, and if you look at that from an earthly perspective, if you think about it, if we look at what we can see, that's not a good thing. We just bought a house, we have a mortgage, we have kids, we have student loans, we have cars, we help support my mother-in-law, we've got all those things. How can that possibly be good? right? But when you practice and you walk living by faith, focus on the eternal, it didn't take us long to see that this might be the very best thing that's happened to us. And for me, even before I realized that this is how crazy I am y'all. And you can ask my husband and my friends who are around me the days after I had just the week before been in church and worship singing, thinking this, this is, this, this is not good. Things are too good. Things are too easy. I, I, I need a challenge. Lord, <laughs> I'm saying, Lord, I need a challenge. And when my husband found out he lost his job, I was truly devastated on his behalf. This was really hard. But I was like, thank you, Jesus. I can work with this. This is awesome. (laughs) And I'm sharing that to say that this is what God does. He rearranges your perspective. He rearranges your priorities. And if you do it long enough, you don't even know that you're doing it, and you're going to find yourself asking God for things that aren't even really very comfortable because the one thing as awesome as this is going to be, this journey is going to be for my husband. We realize not, is it just a challenge? It's not even really a challenge. It's an opportunity because my husband is someone who grew up without a dad. He had a dad, but not the kind of dad that you want to have. And there was no one in his family to take responsibility. And my husband took that on very early from a very early age. And then when he got out of high school and he went to college, he got a job. He was helping support his mom and his two younger brothers. And then he got married and had a family. And the only thing he's ever known his whole life is responsibility. And now at 35 years of age, God is saying, let me take that for a second. Lay that down. Let me be your dad. Let me speak purpose and identity over you. He wasn't even sure within the job that he had. He was kind of struggling. Is this what I want to do? He would have never, my husband is the most responsible person. I know he would have never walked away from an income to go find himself. But God will do that for him. And God has presented us with that opportunity. And it's going to be awesome, but it's not going to be comfortable. Because walking by faith is amazing, and it's wonderful, and it's a lot of things. But comforting is not one of them. And we can all we have to do is look to Hebrews 11. And some of the people that we read about in there, Noah built an ark. Big, giant one was a little awkward and uncomfortable, all right? Abraham had to leave his family and what he knew and go to a foreign land, and he did lots of other stuff, too. Moses turned his back on being a prince. God, when we are praying for faith and when God changes our perspective, all right, it's going to be awesome, but it's not going to be comfortable. Let's listen to some of the other things that... Hebrews 11 had to say, Who through faith, these people, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, and shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. Now, at this point, you might be like, whoa there, preacher lady. (laughs) All right. You had me at conquering kingdoms, and you lost me somewhere between torture and sawed in two. (laughs) All right. And that leads us really nicely into our last point, which is that faith pulls us toward the impossible. If you're like me and you read this, you're odd and inspired and it's amazing, but you can't exactly relate because our lives seem so very ordinary compared to what these people were doing. But when you really think about it. It wasn't their circumstances that made them amazing. It was their faith in their circumstances. And every one of us in here has that opportunity. And what you're going to find is that when you walk by faith, when you fix your eyes and you go forward, it's going to pull you to the impossible. It's going to do two things. The way that's going to do that is when you're fixed on Christ and when you're fixed on the eternal, what are you not looking at or thinking about? your circumstances. So it's going to pull us outside of ourselves. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, you know, I really want to be one of those people. I want to do amazing, awesome things for the kingdom, but I just don't know that I ever can. You know what? Fix your eyes and walk and get them off yourself. Because if you notice those impossible things that they describe in Hebrews 11, it was never about them. I mean, it may have blessed them a little bit, but it was about something greater. It was about a greater purpose. Impossible things are happening for kingdom purposes. And so fix your eyes, and it gets our focus off of our circumstances. And when we fix our eyes and get them off of our circumstances and see the eternal, that's when we get the vision for the impossible. Part of it is some of us can't even see it and we can't see it because we're too busy looking around, and we're limiting what God can do in our lives by focusing on our circumstances. And man, what Nathan talked about earlier, it was exactly that, right? Romans 12:1, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Don't offer it up saying, you can use it for this and this and this, but not this. And that's exactly what we do when we tell God how our circumstances have to be. But if we fix our eyes on the eternal and we get past that, and our circumstances don't have to look a certain way, we can see the impossible and And then God pulls us. And how does he do that? Well, to illustrate this, I'm going to use Sophia the first. All right. Any parents in here with children who watch Disney junior, my daughter was watching an episode of Sophia the first, and I really don't know what was going on except for the fact that I caught this part where this little boy is terrified of heights and he's got to climb this magical vine. These are real problems, all right? And so Sophia's like, You gotta go. I can't. I'm too scared. I can't do it. And so she just starts talking to him and starts asking him questions. And he's focusing on her, he's not paying attention. And as they're having this conversation and he's just talking to Sophia, she starts climbing the vine and climbing the vine and climbing the vine. And then eventually what happens? He climbed the vine. Well, I have accused very recently Jesus of this same sort of trickery. Okay. He does this to me. All right. What happens? He invites you to get out of the boat. It's not so bad. The boat's right there, right? You got to get back in, but then he's like, fix your eyes. You're like, okay. And so you start walking and you keep walking and you keep walking until when you finally look around, you're so far away from the boat. You couldn't get back to the boat if you wanted to. And so the only option that you have is to keep going forward. That's how I got up here, right? Okay. So this year, God has been stretching me and stretching me to impossible situations. So at the point when Morgan was like, would you like to preach on New Year's? Sure. Sounds fun. Never occurring to me. It might be the most terrifying thing that I've ever done in my whole entire life. A better example, y'all, is for those of you who are familiar with Brett and Melissa Milliken and their story and where they've been this week. They're, I was going to say in the process, but they're not anymore. Hallelujah. I know. Woo! They have adopted a beautiful daughter from Ethiopia, but this process has been going on for several, maybe five, six years. I'm not sure how long. But I know that if you would ask Brett Milliken when they started that journey, if one day he would just hop on a plane to a a country in turmoil to storm some government offices and fight for his orphan daughter, he might have been like, "Wee!" I mean, he might've wanted to do that, but I don't think he could actually see that happening, but you know what? They walked by faith. They kept their eyes on God. And the more they walked. And then at the moment when God says, Hey Brett, I need you to get on a plane. I don't know why that letter's not coming. I don't know why those government officials aren't signing off on that, but I want you to get on a plane and go. And Brett's like, here I go. And he went and they have a daughter and that's awesome. And that's what God will do. And it's not just stuff that he's going to do individually in us. God is going to do great things in me. God's going to do great things in you. But He can do even greater things through us, collectively as a church. And so, looking forward and looking for God to pull us toward the impossible, we're already doing it. All right. If you ask people uh, what they think about a multi generational, multi ethnic church, they're going to say, You can't do that. That's impossible. We're doing it. We're doing it so amazingly that we're going to have three services doing it soon. All right. And so, as we go forward, As we're looking at this year, I want you to think about what it is that's impossible. I want to share with you, I'm going to close with this, and share with you my favorite quote outside of Scripture. And it comes from Martin Luther. And it's sort of his rendition on faith. I love it. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. I can't even believe I can read that without weeping like a baby because that is my motto, all right? Faith is a living, daring confidence. All right. It's risky. It's scary. That's why when you say it, faith is ho-hum. No, it's not. All right. It's a, it's a daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that you will stake your life on it a thousand times. And I have. I've staked my life, my reputation, and my job, and getting up here. You guys can't imagine what God is going to do. All right. If you will dare. I'm going to double-dog dare you all this morning. Right? To go forward, to go forward in faith, not just as an individual, but as a church. And I didn't mention this in the first service, and I want to make sure that I do that here. We have a really good opportunity coming up this week. It's the church wide fast. And I think it's an excellent example for all of us to sort of stop and reflect and make some space for God to come and speak into our lives about going forward. I don't know where you are this morning when it comes to what's impossible. Maybe the impossibility for you this morning is that you're just not really sure about this Jesus stuff right? And maybe even believing that is impossible. Or maybe you have a stubborn struggle and a a deep spiritual root that you need to pray about and get in the word about. Or maybe you need God to change your perspective. Or maybe you need a vision outside of yourself to go beyond the impossible. But wherever you are this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us as a church going forward in this year. Father, I thank you so much just for every opportunity that you give us. And maybe we don't see it that way, but God, it's an opportunity to go forward, to grow in faith, to walk with more steady steps and to be sure. And I pray for every person in here, God, that you would give them a vision of something impossible that you want for them this year, whether it's just believing in you in the first place or God, whether it's tearing down mountains in your name. Lord, we know that we know that we know that you can do it. And I thank you, Lord, for your grace this morning. Thank you for unmerited favor. Thank you for something that pushes me beyond where I could go. I ask this in Jesus' name.
2: clap? glad. Wow! Right? You can just just go home after that, right? I mean, I, we're, I'm just so blessed. Thank you, Tina, just for allowing God to use you. So proud of you. And just seeing what God has done in her life over the even my wife and I from afar, just seeing God move in her through her. And so what you what you heard today is not just some story that she's telling somebody else's story, it's her story. She's lived it and seen it. And so hopefully this impartation stirs something up inside of us, church, that we could we could really ask God to 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 feed us in that way to where we could really truly live by faith. People are watching and and they need to see. What God is doing in our midst. Would you mind standing with me today as we get ready to dismiss? I wanna ask our deacons, community group leaders, if you just come forward, um, you can come now, it'll be great. I, I wanna make space for you guys. As, as a church family, it is, it is our privilege, it is our responsibility to stand together. And so if, if what uh, Tina mentioned today and what she shared with our heart tugged on your heartstrings, if you feel like God is asking you to do something difficult, something hard, And you want somebody to stand in the gap with you. We're here. God is here. We just encourage you. Don't leave out these doors before receiving prayer and allowing us to stand with you as family. So we're encouraged. I hope this week is going to be powerful. But more than that, I pray that this year will be your best year yet. So, Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for the word that you shared with us today. We pray, Lord God, that this year would just blow other years out of the water. We pray it would be a year of breakthrough. We pray that it would be a year of of challenges that we can do by your grace. We thank you for your faith. We thank you for the things that that aren't seen, the things that are seen. We thank you for for your life that's inside of us, your truth. So we pray that you would just move in powerful ways. Those mountains that seem so big, we pray, in faith in Jesus, all of a sudden it becomes smaller. Would you be with us, God? Would you walk alongside us? Would you help us to climb those things that are difficult for us? Give us the courage and grace to walk out the things that you've called us to do. We love you so much, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all be blessed. Have a great week.